is like with an employee, right? You got an employee that's underperforming uh, in one way, shape, or form. You might still have to have that tough conversation with them. And, um, you know, same thing goes. You got to remove your emotion. You got to identify the true issue, right? Um, if you're le- like, let's say you had an employee that like cussed out somebody, right? Ooh. Now, if it were me, if I had an employee that cussed out a customer, that's a whole different level of something than a, an employee that cusses me out, right? Like, um, if if they cussed, if an employee tried to like cuss me, and this doesn't happen, I'm just I'm just speaking a hypothetical. Um, but if I had an employee cuss me out behind closed doors and everything else, I'm going to handle that completely different than if I had an employee that cussed out a customer. Yeah. Um, because one is a direct reflection of the business. Two is a, a window into a culture problem in inside my business, right? So believe it or not, I could in a roundabout way see if, a, if a, an employee felt the courage enough to cuss me out. That's almost like a... like. You, you, in a roundabout way, you're almost thankful that happened because it gives you the opportunity to recognize you have a massive problem inside your business and you need to fix it. So now, not saying that, that my guys can get away with it, but first off, that could if if you're making your guys, that could be a personal problem. If you're making if it happens more than once and you're making your guys that mad, right? Or they're flying off the handle. Maybe that's not on them, right? Maybe it's a that's you problem, you. yeah. That's Maybe not, you're really arrogant, yeah, and it gets under their skin, and you're starting to irritate your guys. Right, right, and so, um, you know, th- th- that's that's where your values kind of hold through and everything else, right? Never sacrifice your values. Well, it's possible that maybe your guy is never sacrificing his values, and he's trying to hold you accountable. You know, yeah, just it just kind of depends. Um, but you're going to have that tough conversation with your guy. You're going to identify the true issue. You're going to state your intentions. Like, let's say it's a performance issue. You're going to identify exactly where they're underperforming. You're going to state your intentions. Okay, I need you performing at this level. This is the level I expect. This is the minimum acceptable level. We have to move forward from here with you performing at that level, right? You're going to be open to learning a new perspective. If there's a reason they can't perform that level, then be okay, right? If You might learn something why they can't perform at that level. Maybe it's a disability, Right. Maybe maybe there's a there maybe there's a problem there that you have to make a reasonable accommodation to to circumvent and therefore their expectation is now going to be lower because of a disability or something else. Um, never sacrifice your values again, right? They drive the bus. Discuss a plan on where we go from here and then follow up. So you put a plan in place of okay, I think if we do this and this and this, we'll get your performance back where it needs to be. And then two three weeks later, you follow back up with them and hey. Where are we at? Are we performing well? Or are we not? Are we doing this and this and this? Are we not? Why? Why not? Right? And and at that point, let, 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 let's say it's an employee. At that point, the ball's in their court. They have all of the control at that point. And so if performance doesn't improve, it's not for a lack of you, right? You didn't. Right. If you followed that really good process, then the employees just either they, they can't perform at the level you need, which happens, or they're choosing not to perform at the level you need, which happens. Either which way, you have to evaluate. Either you have to evaluate that and may, maybe change the direction, right? So, um, you know, and while we're on the subject of employees, um, if you're new into business or st- considering starting a business and you've never managed people, um, I want to talk about firing people. 
Um, it's a, it's it's it can be tough. It can be. Your first one is really tough. Your fir- the first person you fire is really tough. And again, like we talked about earlier, your mind instantly goes to the time where you were fired and how charged up you were. And maybe you've never been fired. Maybe it's your your mind goes to how charged up somebody you know was when they were fired. Yeah. Right? I've only been fired once and I had it coming and I knew I did. Right. And I was egging it on. So it like it didn't bother me. Yeah. You know, you can't like, fire me, I quit. <laughs> no, no, I told him to I, I told the guy either fire me or shut the fuck up and he was he fired me and I I mean I knew that's what he was gonna do. I was like, yeah, see ya. All right. Peace. Yeah. I'm out. Beer thirty came early this morning. I was seventeen. So I mean yeah. it was you know. Yeah. It, so like firing people. If you followed this process and people are still not getting on board. It's not a personal thing. Again, your emotion, your emotions removed from this, right? Not every job is perfect for every person. And not every person is perfect for every job, right? You put me in your job, yeah. I'm going to fail. Yeah, not everyone can do every different thing. Right. Okay, and, we all have a place or right. a few different places that we can fit. And so the moment you recognize that that's not the perfect person for you and you're considering terminating them, or ending their employment, or whatever you want to call it, um, the thing that you have to think about is the longer you allow that person to stay with your organization, the more you are risking that person's perfect opportunity to pass by them because you were too lazy to fire them. That person, let's say you drug them on for an extra month or an extra two months, that person may have had a dream opportunity come through, and they missed it, because you were too chicken shit to let them go. You were too chicken shit to say, it's just not working out. Yeah. And we need to go in a different direction. It's not personal, right? So um, I don't, I've never had an emotional firing where I fired somebody out of emotion. I've had a couple of firings that took an emotional toll on me because it was at those times where I realized maybe the person's in kind of a bad situation and it stinks that you're kind of like adding to that situation. Right. But people are resilient. And so they're going to figure a way out of it or they won't, but not, that doesn't mean it's your fault, right? It's not your job to keep employing somebody who's like destined to fail. Yeah. So to speak, I think guys that I don't want to interrupt you, but I think guys that um, are just starting out, and, and they have their own business and they've hired a few, you know, their first few guys. Right. <clears throat> Sorry. It's hard for them. It's harder on them because they have an emotional attachment to those guys. Yep. Even if they're horrible employees, they have an attachment to them because that was my first hire. Right. That was my third hire. You know, I. <laughs> it's my dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I love these guys. These guys, you know, these are my guys and I want to see you know, you get emotionally invested because you want to see them succeed, mm-hmm. you know, and you just, you're all wound up about it and you're so excited. And then six months goes by and you're like, ah, what am I going to fucking do? Boy, that you know? reminds and me. You just, I mean, it weighs heavy on you. Is it harder on the employee? Of course it is. They're losing their job, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean it's not hard for you personally. Right. A buddy of mine shared this today. It says, you can give a person knowledge, but you can't make them think. 
Some people want to remain fools only because the truth requires change, right? So when you think about things in that perspective... It's a smarty way to say it, but yes. Yeah, so it's exactly what you were just talking about. Yeah. You've got these guys and you've poured so much into them and you wanted so much out of them, but if they don't want that for themselves... You have to recognize that. Like that's where I used to get emotional into it, right? And and I felt like somehow I'm responsible for giving this guy a good life. No, that guy's responsible for giving himself a good life. You're responsible for giving him the opportunity to allow him to give himself a good life. Yeah, if you've given him the opportunity, hired them, trained them, gave them all the tools they need to be successful. They shit on it. You gave them a second chance. They shit on it. You gave them a third chance, and they shit on it. It is no longer on you. Right. And that gets back to being able to take your emotions and separate them from the situation. Right. Because let's be honest. You're you're running a company, okay? You're in charge of other employees. Mm-hmm. When that person is like that, they're not only bringing down you. They're bringing down the company. They're hurting the other employees. Yeah. Okay? It's think of it as if I let this person go, I'm helping my other guys out. Right. Okay. It's just like I, um, it's just like you think that, say you have a big company that there's 15 people in there. Okay. Not, not a big company, but a good sized company. And you're afraid to fire the manager because they're so awful. And you're like, man, the guys love him. They just, I can't get rid of this guy. I can't get rid of this guy. Well, they love him because he's letting them get away with shit. The guys know. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes when you fire someone like that, you're applauded because yeah. you've made the right decision. They may not come out and actually applaud. Right. You know, but they know that it's for the best for the company. Yeah. Okay. And so think about it that way. If, if you're having trouble letting someone go, mm-hmm. hey, I'm letting this person go to not only help the guys out, but to give another person that's looking for a better opportunity a good job. Right. Okay, so there's two outweighs one. Yeah. You know, try to think of it that way if you're having trouble emotionally letting someone go. Yeah, and and again, that kind of goes into the whole never sacrifice your values thing, right? Like if your values are excellence and integrity and honesty and, and stuff like that, you owe that to the rest of the team. And you owe that to the guy. Like... If you can recognize that he's not the perfect guy for you, that's that's a negative mark on your integrity if you keep him working for you. Say you keep him working for you, and then you have another employee that does the same thing, and you keep them. Now you've, now you've got cancer in your culture right? or in well, your company, and now you have a real problem, and it compounds on itself. Right. You're not showing leadership, and the guys that can see that those other two guys are shitheads— now realize that you're also a shithead right. and can't keep the train on the tracks. Yeah. And you you could have a serious problem real quick. And let's be honest, in the service industry, gossip spreads pretty fast. Yeah. You know, and you could end up taking a three or four month situation that hinders you for two years because you didn't take the initiative to do the right thing. Right. And it can and, really burn you. And accountability and holding guys accountable to a good standard and and this does like micromanagement and and uh cussing managers i I, i'll dive into that in a second this doesn't apply to that but um in in the service industry 
people know who is good to work for and who isn't good to work for. People enjoy working for managers that have high expectations and then hold their people accountable to them. The reason why they enjoy it is because they're, that means they're now working with other people that are good high performers as well. Nobody likes working with, you know, lazy Larry over here who always rolls in 15 minutes late and he always wants to get out of his part of the work and, you know, he'll leave 15 minutes early for lunch and he shows up 15 minutes late and he takes four smoke breaks in the morning and four in the afternoon and, you know, all of that, right? People don't enjoy that. And so you keeping a guy like that on your team is a problem. And, And your guys will actually enjoy you holding lazy Larry accountable and getting them off your team. Yeah. Uh, because now if you can't straighten them out. You got to move on. Right. Right. Um, um, what I was talking about earlier with cussing managers, right? There's a lot of people who think that running a tight ship or having high expectations and holding people accountable, uh, is, is what it isn't. So uh, there's a company here in town and, they on paper they look nice and sweet but behind the scenes i have heard countless and countless and countless stories of these managers like cussing out their employees on the regular and not for like not because the employees are making mistakes or anything else like this this is a higher pressure sales company and and the guys would go in for a you know like oh the toilet's clogged well you better go in there and sell them a new toilet well, maybe they don't need a toilet. Yeah. Like maybe they're on boatloads of chemo meds or something, and they just overloaded the toilet. Like they're wrecking that thing. Who knows, right? Yeah. And so they'd come out of it like these are the and here's your kind of warning sign. If you have to call your manager after every service call you go on, that's probably going to be move, a tough. You got to move on. Yeah. And so yeah. they the guys would call their manager and say, "What do you do? Well, I auger the toilet. Why didn't you sell them a new one? Because it was just clogged." well, fuck you, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they would, like, they would, like, cuss these guys out, right? And people still work there. And I'm thinking, what kind of lowlife doesn't even have enough respect for themselves to allow their boss to teach them like that or to treat them like yeah. that? Especially, I mean, plumbers are hard to come by. There, yeah. There's not a plumber. Right now, you can go anywhere yeah. and get good money. If you're a plumber and you were you left your job. All those service industries are like that right now. You could have a job by the end of the day. If, if you're a plumber. Yeah. And you left your job. Benefits by the end of the week. You could have a job by the end of the day. You could have a great job by the end of the week. And you could have an amazing job within two weeks. Yeah. It's just how much time do you want to spend looking? Yeah. So I have no clue how how companies get away treating their employees like shit, especially as plumbers. Because people are, as in general, people are scared. Yeah. They're passive. They don't like confrontation. Like... I mean, dude, if that was me, about one weekend, I'm not quitting. I'm not doing anything. That dude and I are in the parking lot at the end of the day. It wouldn't even be a weekend. I mean, there's going to be some serious, I mean, cops are coming. Right. Stuff's happening. It wouldn't even have to happen to me. If I was at that organization and I saw the manager talk to another employee that way. Dude, what the fuck are you doing? I'd be out. I, I wouldn't even waste my time even arguing with them or talking with them. That's his problem. I'm not. I'm the new guy. I'm not going to change anything, right? Hey, this isn't for me. Peace out. See, right? That's, see, Mitch and I are very different people. Because I, what I think when I, when I think about that is I think you know what? If no one said anything, 
and no one's flying off the handle, maybe I can help the other guys by doing this. Yeah. And I immediately think, even if something happens and I get in trouble or whatever, if I can help some guys or if this guy drops his attitude, I'm going out the door anyway. Yeah. I'm going to try to set an example here. Is I, it the wrong example? Of course it is. Should you physically fight someone in the parking lot after work? No, you shouldn't. Right. But sometimes, you know, I I saw a meme Everyone today. has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I and you're going to go change a plan. Yeah, it was a, no, it was yesterday. It was, uh, it was George Washington. And it was him. And then he was a little closer. And then he was a little closer. And then it was his eye. And underneath it, it said, uh, violence solves nothing. Like, okay. Yeah, that's not how we created this country. Right. You know, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, buddy. No, sometimes... <laughs> Talk to me about 1776. You know, yeah, and that's the problem, I think, in our culture. This is a whole nother show for a whole nother day, but, you know, the whole culture of um, I can be as big a dick as I want to be, I can say whatever I want, and there are no consequences, right. has created a huge problem. Yeah. You know, back in the day, if you were at the bar and you were 22... And you slapped a girl on the ass and her boyfriend was there. You got popped in the mouth. Yep. No one called the cops. Right. You just, that's what it was. And, and you're like, okay, you learned your lesson and you moved on. It now wasn't a beating to within an inch of your life either. Oh, we just had lights change up in here. It, it wasn't a beating to within an inch of your life either. No, you got popped. It was a respectable. Yeah, you got a couple of smacks. Yeah. You got popped in the mouth. Yep. And you're like, okay, you know what? Right. Yeah, I had that coming. You guys left. No one called the cops. That's just what it was. Right. Now it's like there's no you can you can be a, you know, keyboard tough guy and say whatever you want and there's no consequences and you're like, "Are you serious?" Right. And it right. just it drives me insane. I mean, not to get completely off topic, but I mean, that's one of those situations where somebody in that organization has got to be like, "You know what?" Right. I've had enough. Yeah. Somebody's got to do something about this. Um that's if you if you if you handle tough conversations like this, you won't be in those kinds of scenarios typically, right? Typically, ninety nine percent of the time, no. I mean, because the key is removing I want you your emotion to tell me from stuff. What company that is after this? Oh yeah, I will. I'd really like to know. Yeah. So now, as we've talked about before, should you ten ninety nine or W two your employees? This company, ten ninety nines every single one of their people. Yeah. They don't care about their people. Yeah. So somebody um, in that company should be like, you know what? I'm leaving, and all the rest of you should too. Yeah, because this is a shit show. Yeah, I guarantee that company constantly bitches about the high turnover, and you can't find good help these days. Well, no, yeah. you can't find a good manager in your. Yeah, company. I was gonna say because all your managers are awful, or right. what? Right. Um. Um. I, I we've we've I think we've kind of I, I wrote down some things of handling tough conversations with boss employee. Are we oh, gonna, oh, boss! We can go boss. Are we gonna talk about Are we gonna talk about family today? We can do family, yeah, yeah. Parents, spouse. Are we spouse. still talking about breaking this episode up into two? Yeah, it's we... it's 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 happening. It's happening. And as we're speaking right now, we're probably already in episode two of this. You think so? so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we knew this one was going to run long, so that's why you're going to see this one split into two. Um, so tough conversations with family. Family gets a little bit different. Uh, before we do family, let's do boss. Okay. Um, let's say you need to have a tough conversation with your boss, right? Again, same rules. And we're going to repeat them again because it's literally like the key to this, right? Remove your emotion from it. Identify the true issue. What are you truly upset about your boss with? State your intentions, right? Now, as you were talking about there, if you were new in a company and you saw a manager cussing somebody out, for me, for me to want to step in, I have to have a level of care, 
right? I have to have a level of like, do I even care enough to step in? And then do I think I can make a difference? And like my care meter is automatically at a hundred percent because when I see someone being taken advantage of, I immediately am like, uh, uh-uh, right. not happening on my watch. Right. You know what I mean? Is my, uh, is it going to, is it going to make a difference meter that I don't have that meter? Right. I don't care. It, I feel like in, in my heart, it's whether I think I can or not, I can't, I'm trying to think of the best way to paraphrase this. I don't know how everyone's going to react. Right. Okay. So I don't know if I can affect change. Yeah. But I'm going to get everything I got. Yeah. Okay. And if I have to do this and no one has changed, I at least gave it a hundred percent. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, if I'm out in public and I see somebody being taken advantage of, that's a different scenario than if it's like my first day on the job and my new boss is like cussing out some other employee. Well, I said I give it a week. Yeah. True. I give you a week. And if I see it every day for five days, yeah. That next Monday, after a weekend of drinking, I mean, you know, Royal Rumble in the parking lot. Somebody's somebody's <laughs> gonna hurt. Yeah. I mean, it may be me. Listen, I'm not pretending like I'm a tough guy. I've had my ass beat plenty of times. Right. Okay, especially when I was younger. So I mean, don't get the wrong idea. I don't right. think I'm Conor McGregor. I mean, I've had my ass beat. <laughs> that ain't much lately. No, he got old and got his double team and fight, and that sucks because I like him. He's on a little bit of a streak. He's a great. He was a great fighter. Um, okay, so talk about your boss, right? Identify the issue. Clearly identify what is the issue you're having with your boss yeah. or with the company that your boss is in charge of fixing, either which. State your intentions. What do you want to get out of this, right? Here's the key, especially when you're talking with your boss. Oh, my ears are up. Be open to learning a new perspective, right? Your yeah. boss is privy to a lot of information you're not privy to. Your boss is, uh, uh, his vision is farther in the future than your vision is. And so your boss may be behaving in a certain way because he has to, right? So be open to learning a new perspective. He may let you in on some things that are why he has to behave that way. And you might learn something new, right? Um, never sacrifice your values. Again, if you're going to have that conversation with your boss, try to do it from the standpoint of values. Try to do it from the standpoint of our business's values are this, and this is why I feel it's okay to talk to you about this, uh, and so on. Discuss a plan. What would you like to do from there? How do we move forward? And then follow up with your boss. Hey, remember that all this stuff we talked about? Where are we coming on that? Or, or whatever. Now, if he's a good boss... He should be kind of doing this stuff right back to you. He really should. But we don't all have good bosses. No. Um, okay. Now. I want to say something about that. Yep. So if you're a 25, 26, 27, 28-year-old manager, and you're it's your first time being a manager, okay, and you are full of piss and vinegar, because let's be honest, you're on fire. Mm-hmm. You're young. You've been moved up. You're a manager. You are Literally, you are a company man. You're trying to make the best of it. Ah, Mitch is 100% right. You don't have the full view and the full scope of what's going on at that. Maybe before those conversations even happen, you should realistically be thinking about the perspective part of that. Right. Okay. What am I not seeing? Right. You know, what am I What am I not aware of that's going on that makes these things happen? Don't automatically think... Oh, I'm a manager, and if I was the boss, I'd be a kick-ass boss just like I'm a kick-ass manager. Right. You don't know what's going on. Right. Okay? 
I was that way. Yeah. Like literally I was 24 years old and I was laying out all the new houses. I was ordering all the material. I was, you know, there were three rough and crews underneath me and I was doing all this and you know, all that. And, and there were times when I was like, dude, what are you freaking doing yeah. now? It never came to like a, a tough conversation or, or anything like that. But I had those thoughts in my brain yeah. and I was able to, okay, you know what? I'm just, this is, it wasn't necessarily like, I never thought, okay, they must be dealing with this or the perspective is this. I just thought, you know what? I'm in a good spot and I'm not going to push the envelope with it. I'm yeah. just going to, but that doesn't mean I wasn't thinking about doing that. Right. You know, but think about those things before you go in there and blow up. Yeah. You know, maybe take, you know, a few weeks and think about uh, what do I not see? What do I not know? If if you have questions, try to learn those answers on your own yep. before you go in there and make a big, you know, shitstorm about nothing. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, on the on the new boss side of things. If, if you're ever in a position where you're a new leader over people, um, one of the first things that you're going to feel is you're going to feel unqualified. Uh, and there's a decent chance that some of the people you are leading are older than you. <laughs> well, that's, you're, that's that piss and vinegar talking. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're 100% right. You're, you're going to feel unqualified, whether you admit it to yourself or not. I was. Uh, let me just emphasize that by saying, yeah. There were areas where I was unqualified. Right. I just didn't feel that way because I'm a shithead sometimes. You yeah. Know? So the easiest way to handle that is you go have a conversation with your whole team and you let them know that, you know, guys, I don't want to boss people around. Um, I think that we can organize our group in a way to where we can all be happier. We can all hold each other accountable a little bit better. And we can all make more money because ultimately that's why we're here. That's why we work. We don't work for fun. We work for money. Fun's a byproduct. Like it's kind of nice to have fun at work, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm paraphrasing like what I would do as, as a boss, of right? Of course. And so, um, you know, if you guys have some concerns or you see something that you would like changed, bring it up to me. I can't guarantee anything, but I can guarantee I'll listen. You know, um, I, I may agree with you. I might not. Uh, I'll try to be as transparent as I can as to if I, if I don't agree with you, I'll try to be as transparent as I can as to why, but, um, you know, I want to be here to support this team and help organize this team. Right. Um, cause ultimately that's what a boss and a leader is, is an organizer. Um, they're the, an organizer of everything. They're yeah. an organizer of the jobs, the material, the people, everything. Right. Right. But it, you're also an organizer of. And I don't know what the right word is. Culture. Culture. Yeah. Excellent. Yes, you're 100% right. You're an organizer of the culture of your group that you're in charge of. Yeah. Whether it be three crews, five crews, two crews, it doesn't matter. Right. It's it, If you're over those guys, you have to set the precedent of how they act yeah. and what happens. And and so I hate the word boss because it, it just gets tied to, you know, bossing people around or being bossed around and nobody likes that. Right. It's a term from the eighties, right? It, it is. And, 80s. And, and I also don't necessarily like the term manager because managers aren't leaders. Now, good leaders are also good managers, but a manager only has no leadership ability. Right. So all they are is like minding numbers and just they're, they're managing 
they're managing expectations and holding people to expectations, but they're not really developing people and leading people, right? So um, I like leaders. I like team leader. I like, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so I kind of view anybody in a leadership role as a leader, not a manager. So if, if it was a, if I ran a car dealership, I wouldn't have a sales manager. I would have a sales leader, right? Uh, a sales organizer or something like that. Yeah, sales team leader. Yeah. Um, the, um, um, yeah, if you're having that, co- t- that conversation, if you're a newer manager and you have to have that conversation, speak from the heart, right? That, that, that's a tough conversation without a, a necessary, like a big known problem right off the get go. It, it's your addressing to the team, right? Your, your, your introduction to the team is still a very tough conversation because that's going to kind of set the tone and set the expectations for where you go from there. So it's the most important one you're going to have for a while. Right. Cause literally you are, you're just like you said, you're setting the tone for everything that's going to go on. Right. Under your leadership. Right. Um, moving this thing on to family, family can be tough. Family can be real tough because we're not going to get too deep, but yeah, right. You, you, family's tough. You won't go too deep, but you're, um, you've had family longer than you've had a job. You've had family longer than you've been on whatever team you're on that you have to have the tough conversation with. Right. So, um, um, having that tough conversation with family can be really tough because it's not just business. There's emotions there. There's love there. There's, there's all kinds of added things in there that you kind of have to watch out for. In, in business, you can separate emotion. In family, it is emotion. Yeah, you can't you can't necessarily separate emotion all the time when you're talking about your family. You cannot. I mean, no matter what you do or what you say, it's going to affect someone that you care about, and that is going to emotionally affect you. Yeah. Even if you took it out to start the conversation, yeah, it's back immediately. Well, and it's completely different. And you know, women, for example, and I'm not going to be stereotypical. But they have a hard time letting go of past failures. And so um, they're going to bring that up. Even if they don't bring it up to you, it's bringing up in their mind. Even as you try to go forward from there, they're always wondering, are we reverting back to where we were? Are we getting back to that level? Or or am I seeing that behavior again? Yeah, it's it's 100% different. Like guys, um, like Mitch and I almost had a blowout drag out one time over a misunderstanding right and literally like a month later had a couple beers and we're like hey no biggie hey you're right you know i thought it was you it wasn't you right you know i mean i've known guys that literally have been at the bar and went home got in a fist fight and then the next day went to the same bar had a beer and both of them were literally like hugging each other man i'm sorry right you know and they can let that go yeah Girls, I shouldn't say girls, women. They're will, wired different. They, they are, and it's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, they will, one friend will hurt the other one, and they won't say anything for three months. Right. This is what we're talking about. They'll let it fester, and they won't let it go. And they'll still talk to each other over They're the frenemies. three months. They'll be frenemies for two years, and then all of a sudden this blowout, dragout happens. It's just, it's all, we should have, we should probably have a woman in here right now talking about it, but it's like, they will, it's safer. (laughs) They will not let that shit go. Right. Ever. Right. Ever. It's, it's tough. Right. And so 
I'll be the first to say these rules don't necessarily apply. Step one is remove your emotion. No, it's pretty hard to remove your emotion. These these rules do not apply to family. Yeah. I mean, Um, you can try to stick to them, but it ain't going to help you. It it works with children, right? You can, you can do this with children because you're their guider and you're their, you're, you're their guidance and you're their leader. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to do with a spouse. Um, um, there's, there's just so many other emotions and so much more history there that this becomes more difficult. However, the similar process still lies, right? You got to identify the true issue. It's not vacuuming. It's, it's an overall behavior. It's, it's not the fact that you didn't wipe down the kitchen counters last week. It's, it's an overall behavioral pattern. Um, but when you're talking with them, you got to state your intention. You got to say like, what is the, the, what are we talking about? What do we want to get from this? You got to be open to learning a new perspective, you know, uh, never sacrifice your values. They always hold true. Um, and then here's where, again, it gets a little tough discussing a plan on where to go from here. Um, yeah. You know, you, That'd so be like trying to tell your wife to change. It ain't happening. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so <laughs> the, plan the plan to go from is, here is I'll, I'll wipe down the counter twice a week from now on, babe. <laughs> yeah, the plan is, the plan is you can't be as crazy as you are. Yeah. That's just not happening. Right. You can't do these things. Well, it's just not happening because people are the way they are. So Rob Deerdick, uh, from I, the fantasy love, factory. I love and hate Rob Deerdick all at the same time. Yeah. He's, he's an interesting cat. He's, he's got an interesting viewpoint on a lot of things. He's very successful. So you can't disagree that his viewpoint is wrong. Right. Um, sure. Sure. You can. He's, he's married. He's got a kid. Um, maybe he has another one. I don't know. But anyway, I don't know. I have no idea. His like he's a he's an incredibly busy person, incredibly incredibly busy person, yeah, right? I'm sure. And um, he starts every day. He literally sends his wife an email every day, and asks his wife, "Where are they in their marriage on a scale of one to ten?" <laughs> And then there's like some follow-up things in there of like any issues or something that she want to bring up. He does this every day, every single day. And then like if she's in a but the problem is what if she's just in a bad mood and she's like two motherfucker. Right. Well, <laughs> he, two bitch. He'll call her out and be like, "Are you just saying that cuz you're pissed or are we actually at a two? Cuz if we're at a two, we need to be talking to the attorneys." Right? I'm I'm serious. And 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 so then he he'll even use it farther than that and he'll be like you can't tell me that this has been an issue for two weeks because i'm i got the receipts right here you said <laughs> last wednesday we're at an eight the thursday we were at a nine so don't tell me you were all pissed off last wednesday and thursday because you said eight and nine now you can't say you know and i, I mean that's it. that's pretty funny that's a whole different level yeah what um, if she's passive aggressive though I don't. I don't. She's just and she's just eight. I got eight, a feeling seven, he wouldn't have married her nine, if he was doing eight, that, right? Seven. That's the problem with passive aggressive people is you don't truly know until after a long time. Right. Well, yeah. Who knows on that? <laughs> we look at it and we're like, man, that's freaking crazy because you know our marriage wasn't built under that, and there's no way that we could ever add something like that into our marriage. And I say ours, like I'm talking yours, mine. Or any of our listeners, right? Yeah. Like that was literally built from day one into their marriage. Yeah. Like and if I sent, if I, you know what? I'm writing this down. I'm going to send Janine an email oh, tomorrow shit. at like 9 a.m. Can you, <laughs> I need you to be like, you need to have Layla recording her when she reads that email. <laughs> 
Hey, babe, know. where's where are we at on our marriage on a scale of one to ten? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send it to her and see what she says. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's got. Well, and then I mean, he does some other crazy stuff too. Um, and I, I say crazy only because it's unconventional, not crazy because it's stupid. Yeah. Like once a month, he's got like a two hour session with a marriage counselor and they just talk just about to, anything just to keep it, just to keep it everything in check. Yep. Yep. I think we call that micromanaging. He's just he's very, very in tune. No, he's micromanaging his marriage. Maybe he's either yeah. insecure and scared of what could happen or he wants to control everything. I'd say that as successful as he's been over time, that he's just a micromanager. He's he's probably very much in control of his surroundings. Yeah, yeah. all the time. That doesn't mean he's controlling of his wife, but he's no, maybe not. He's in control of his relationship for I sure. Guarantee she signed a prenup. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, uh, so yeah, tough conversations with spouses. Um, that can be you know that can be tough, right? Because they're your ride or die. They're your life partner. Um, and if they're not, well, you need to be having a whole different tough conversation. Yeah. And we um, talk about that in episode number 22. Well, we, we, we talk, talk about, about how to get your spouse on board with business. Right. So if you're thinking, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh man, you know what? They have a point there. You know, maybe I need to clarify things or whatever. And you haven't listened to episode number 22. Go back and listen to that. We talk all about right. getting your spouse and you on the same page before you start a business. Right. Don't right. just come home and be like, Hey babe, I quit my job. Got my LLC two days ago, and she's going to be like, two days ago? Right. You knucklehead. Get on the same page. Right, right. Um, Tough conversations with other family other than your spouse or children. These can go anywhere. These could go pretty wild. Um, I will be one of the few to tell you that as a mature adult, your family doesn't mean as much as society tells you they should mean. Um, and, and what I mean by that is they don't mean that just blindly, right? You don't have to have a great relationship with your parents because society says you do. If you have a great relationship with your parents, it's because you are both earning it. You're both contributing to that relationship. Your parents are constantly doing things to benefit your life. You're constantly doing things to benefit their life. Okay, that's how relationships are built. They're built on contribution. And so um, if you have dirtball parents, you don't have to have a relationship with them. No, you don't. Right. If you have dirtball siblings, you don't have to have a relationship with them. Same principle. Relationships are built on contribution. And if a person is not contributing, then they don't they don't they aren't owed a place in your life so don't feel chained to um a relationship simply because it's your dad or simply because it's your mom or because it's your sister or your brother or anything like that um it is very very okay to hold those relationships just as accountable as any other relationship you would have with a friend um I don't like the whole idea of, you know, oh, we're family and we go back forever. Well, guess what? There's a whole lot of family out there that are holding a lot of people down simply because the family is dirtbags. They're dirtballs and they're they're constantly demoralizing you or they're discrediting you or they are pumping your brain full of so much ne- negativity that you don't know what success looks like. Yeah, and Mitch doesn't mean... <clears throat> 
don't give your all to that relationship or to that family member. Okay. Right. You give, you give it the way I view that is I give everything I've got or will give everything I've got to my family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Now, if that, if it goes on for a long time and I'm not getting anything back and they're dragging me down, move on. See ya. Right. That's how I view that. And it's perfectly okay to cut them 100% off too. Now, will you need to cut them 100% off? Probably I don't know. Not. Probably not. But, you know. There are situations if, if, where you have to If do the that. situation calls for it and you need to cut one of those members of your family 100% out of your life, do it. And don't think that, like, don't even feel bad for it. Because at the moment you're considering cutting them 100% out of your life, there's good reason to do it. So you can't feel bad about it. You just have to do it. Um, and and then again, it's very similar to these other rules. So family is a little bit different than spouse um, because you aren't attached to them, right? Like you aren't connected to them. You don't have a home with them. You don't, unless you're 30 and still living at home. I don't know. But um, it, it's a little bit different. But you know, you still remove your emotion. You identify the true issue. You state your intentions. You be open to learning a new perspective. Um, you never sacrifice values. You discuss a plan on where to go and you follow up, right? Well, if the other person is not supportive in any of that at all, it's going to be really hard to discuss a plan. And not just not supportive. You know, you can have family members that don't support you and aren't lifting you up, but they're not dragging you down. And I would say that's fine. But when people start dragging you down and making it hard for you to be around them, right? making it hard uh, for you to be successful, if that's what it is, making it hard for you to just enjoy spending time. If you go over to a family member's house, say you guys have Sunday dinner all the time at your grandmother's house or whatever, and you got a cousin that is constantly bringing you down all the time, tell grandma, grandma, if he's going to be there, I'm not coming. Right. You know, or tell that dude, hey, dude. You better knock it the fuck off or I'm not going to do it. And if it keeps going on, then reevaluate your situation. Yeah. You know? If, and it, if, and if it stinks people, to put grandma in the middle of that, but she needs to be aware of it too, right? Yeah. She needs to be aware that let's, she's got... Let's be honest. It, if, if, that, if you're close enough with your family that you're having Sunday dinners, everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. I mean, that person's obviously a dickhead. Yeah. Okay? And it's probably not just you that it's happening to. Right. All right. So, I, I mean... It's not like it's a stretch. Right. But, and this gets back to um, just trying to change your mindset, trying to change your family tree, trying to get everything that you're involved with moving in the right direction. Right. This isn't just family talk or uh, business talk. This is moving your family tree in the right direction. Right. You can be the force of change. And you can make these things happen. And this gets back to this episode. Those are difficult decisions and conversations that you have to have. Yeah. And you may have that. Say that that cousin or brother or whatever you are extremely close with other than those specific situations where they're bringing you down. Right. Or maybe you were extremely close with growing up. And now, just in the last two years, it's been a problem. Man, you get home and you feel like complete shit 
because you just told them you didn't want to be a part of their, you know, them to be a part of your life. Right. I mean, you're like literally you're breaking down. Right. You know, it is, you have hurt yourself in doing that to move on. That is extremely difficult to do. It and is. Sometimes to change your family tree and to change the trajectory that your family is on, your immediate family, you have to make those hard decisions Yeah, to get to that new place. Well, and the, the, the challenging part with that is you might have the intentions or the desire to change the trajectory. However, they have to make the decision to come on board with that plan. Yeah. And if they 100%. refuse to come on board, that's the point where you got to cut them off, right? Now, again, I like I like what you said about how if they're not actively tearing you down, you don't necessarily need to remove them from your life. You're just going to limit how much you're you're yeah. around them. You still love them. You still want them to be part of who you are in your family. And right. Your daughter or sons may love them, and you don't want to yank them out of your life. Right. I mean, there's there's a fine... I shouldn't say fine line. It's a gray line. It's a super giant gray line. And it's case by case. Of where you're going to go and what you're going to do. I mean, it's like you were just saying, It's this is a real simple way to view it, but it's a rocket ship. And everyone that wants to move forward gets on. Right. And if you don't want to move forward, we're leaving you on the ground, dude. Right. And we are taking off. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do. And I, you know, until the last really, the last five years of my life, I have always, like Janine and I have always planned for the future, for our future to be great. Mm -hmm. And when we retire, have a lot of extra money right? so that we could travel or bless people and give and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, like maybe call my friends and say, hey, we're going to have an old friends. None of us got together ski trip and I'm paying for the condo. Right. You know, things like that. Um, but until about five years ago, that's, that's what I wanted. Now it's like, okay, we've got to this point and we've done good. Like I come from a super poor family, right? You know, and Janine's parents, they were, they have been real successful, but their parents were poor, Mm -hmm. you know, and didn't have a lot of money. Now I've realized, man, we're on the right trajectory to really do something here and change the trajectory of our family tree. Right. And I've literally, I'm like, okay. I'm placing it on, and I did this to Janine. I was like, I'm placing this on our shoulders, and this is what we're going to do. Right. We're going to start with us. We're going to go to Layla. If we can go to cousins and, you know, our nieces and nephews after that, we're going to do it. Yeah. We are We are trying to change it. And no matter what we have to do to get there, yeah. we're going to try to do it. Right. And this, if you have people in your, if you decide to do something like that, and you have people in your life that are dragging you down, just like Mitch said, it may be time to cut them loose. Yeah. It may be time to move on. Yep. And parents, I mean, brothers, sisters, I mean, it just aunts and uncles. I mean, whoever. Oh, you can't ever do that. You know, we talk about this all the time. Yeah. Oh, you're not going to be successful. Oh, you're not going to do this. Oh, you're not going to be worth two and a half million when you retire. You're not going to be, you know, you know, whatever. You know what? Fuck off. Right. Okay. I'm moving forward. Are you getting on the train or not? Right. This rocket know, ship's just, leaving. It's it's a hard decision to make, and it's a we get back to the millionaire mindset or changing your mindset to be something different than you have grown up believing. It is a hard mental decision to do that. Yeah, but if you can overcome it and can make those hard decisions and have those hard conversations, it can be. I mean, it can be very rewarding, and you can get there. Yeah, you know. Yep. 
that's uh I don't even think I can top that. I think that's a great way to summarize all that stuff up. That's that's a it, it's a great way to do it too. Like if they're actively tearing you down, that's you know mega problem. If they're if they're not supportive but they're not hurting you, that's a different problem. You can just limit your your time with them and handle that. But or or eventually they come around. Yeah, you know, yep. and, and say hey, you know, and the reason I say that is I don't want you to cut people loose early. Because you can, just like we do on this show, you can change someone's mindset. And if you could change their mindset and change their trajectory or help them change their own trajectory, you may have changed a different part of your family tree without even knowing it. Right. And now they are on the same path as you and they're moving forward. Right. You know, so don't just... Don't just be cutting people loose, you know, willy-nilly. Don't burn every bridge. Right. Listen, I'm saying that I've burnt some bridges. I mean, like, flame on, motherfucker. I'm moving on. Right. You know, so you have to be careful with what you're doing. But, I mean, if you want to be successful and you really want to do something special, you have to, like Mitch said, you have to have have those difficult conversations and you have to make those difficult decisions um, with people that are very close to you and yeah. people that you love dearly. Yep. And you got to be in control of your support team around your life. Yeah. And, so. and, and, and think about it also, you know, and this is a thing that comes with age. I'm not saying I'm old. I'm not saying I'm wise. I'm 40. But, you know, when you have children and people have children at 28 and realize this way earlier than I did, it's not about you anymore. Right. It's about the next kids. It's yep. about the next generation. Okay. So sack up. Drop your bull, your own personal bullshit and your own baggage that you've been dragging around for five years. Right. And look at your kid and be like, okay, I'm doing this for you from now on. Yep. And we're, I mean, every, I'm, it's all coming to you at the end. I hope that when I die, you know, I don't, I don't want, you know, a billion people at my funeral. I don't want, oh, Dave did this. I, Dave did that. I want all the, like my daughter, my nieces and nephews to be like, can you believe he left us this much money? Right. Can you believe that he's done that? You know, I'm dead. I don't care. I don't know. Right. You know, I'm I'm hoping to God that when we get to heaven, we can look down and say, oh, look what they're, you know, look what they're doing. I don't. Look what they're doing. I'm not going to pretend yeah. like I know that that's what's going to happen. But, you know, whether I can see it or not, it's an unselfish decision to say, I did this. Right. And I'm going to do it. And now. I've changed everything about their future. Right. Right. That's it. Well, I think that's I'm it. Out. That's that's a that's a <laughs> solid way to end it. So, um guys, again, if you if you uh love the show, if you if this brought you value, if this uh changed your perspective, um if this taught you something, uh do us a favor and share the void with somebody else who might need it. Um we uh, we work really hard to put this show together for you. Um, we we give a lot of time um, and and some financial resources to put this together for you. We yeah. make no money off of this show, so I do, I do it for free, and it costs Mitch. Yeah, let's be honest. So um, the least you could do is share our show with some other people that need it. So um, until next week, guys, we will see you later. Love Peace. you guys. Thank you for listening.